Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm glad you're here today. We have a great show for you today. I'm going to keep our introduction short because I have Brian Aleskovich from The Lots Project and the Fireside Freedom Conversations Podcast. That is a new collaboration effort. And uh, we're going to talk a lot today about monetizing your homestead, how Brian did it. He is a seasoned homestead vet. He's had his homestead up in Onamia, Minnesota for about seven years. They just had their seven-year anniversary there. And he's done a lot of things, a lot of stuff and things. So I wanted to learn from him because, as you might have heard in the last podcast, Small Scale Life Podcast, Julie and I are brand new to this homesteading thing, brand new to living in the country thing, brand new to a lot of things. So I wanted to have Brian on because he and his wife, Corey, have done a lot. There's always something to learn, right? There's always something that you can pick up on and something you can take away. So as we go through the podcast, you'll hear there's, I think, about seven points that Brian makes, or maybe five to seven points about homesteading and and doing some of the things, all the things, right, and starting these small businesses. Now, for me personally, I think that having a small business, having a side hustle is a way to go. We've seen layoffs, we've seen shutdowns, we've seen all kinds of things happen. And if you have a small business or a side hustle that you have in the background, that job could close for a little bit. It could close and retool a little bit. It could go overseas. There is a myriad of things that could happen, but that small business will keep you floating for a while until maybe it goes really well and that becomes your full-time gig. So I'm bringing on people this year that have small businesses, that are doing small business things, that are doing successful side hustles because we want to learn and we want to inspire you to try. Try this homesteading thing. Try the gardening thing. Try a small business or a side hustle thing. It's a way that we can have some security when the whole world is going upside down. So, as we do here on the Small Scale Life Podcast, we're going to start this podcast like we start every day with our gratitude practice. And it's hard to have a bad day when you start your day or your podcast episode with gratitude. So, I want to thank Brian and his lovely wife, Corey, and the big dogs at their house for being on the Small Scale Life Podcast and for setting Fireside Freedom Conversations Podcast. What a great show. We had that on Tuesday night. It's going to be Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. And it's a group of us content creators or podcasters or vloggers getting together and talking about topics that might interest you. So check that out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes and I'm going to have a post on smallscalelife.com to our first episode. January 11th, 2022 was our first episode and it was a lot of fun. And I want to thank all of the Fireside Freedom content creators It was a lot of fun. It was a good time. Uh, There's eight of us, and uh, we had a great conversation. Nobody stepped on each other. It was really fun and a lot of different perspectives, but uh, we all had the common goal of having a great show, and I think we pulled that off. I also want to thank... Special shout out to Toolman Tim from his show, his vlog. Uh, I was on his show earlier this week, so it's been a busy week. I'm a little sad that this podcast is coming out on Friday, but hey, it was be- it's been a busy week, so we're going to do it when we can do it. But Tim, it was a wonderful interview. I'm going to have him on Monday. We're going to talk about all the stuff and things regarding small business, and that'll be a lot of fun. And thank you, Tim, for allowing me to be on your show and talking about small business, about what Julie and my plans are and what <laughs> what challenges we talked about. And uh, he is my accountability partner. So, Tim, get working on that book. I need to get working on mine. It's going to be a busy year this year. And I uh, wanted to want to say thank you for being here. Yes, tongue-tied on a snowy Friday. 
Um, thank you for being here. Uh, we had a long pause in 2021, but we're back and we've got some really great shows lined up for you. Some great guests coming on to talk about a lot of different things. So stay tuned to the Small Scale Life podcast. It's available everywhere, but uh, thank you for tuning in today. I do appreciate it. Um, Without further ado, because it is a rather long podcast, I mean, it's over an hour, and uh, we just want to get into it. Um, Just a word uh, about this recording. It was done from the Landing Podcast Studio. It was a live stream, so there's going to be a little glitchy stuff here and there. I cleaned up the audio a little bit. There was a part where I like my audio went out for a little bit, but then came back in. The good thing is that with the Fireside Freedom podcast, I figured out where in our 1900s farmhouse I can do this and actually have a pretty good signal and how to do this and have a pretty good signal. So future live streams are going to be in real good shape. Like Monday, I'm going to have Toolman Tim back on the show or on this show talking about small business stuff. So um, we're going to have a real clear signal and have a real great sounding podcast. Here's Brian from the Fireside Freedom podcast and also from... The Lots Project, Living Off the System. He's going to talk about homesteading, small businesses, um, starting a small business, learning about your land, and then also his boondocking camping experience and uh, fireside freedom. So without further ado, here we go. Here's Brian from The Lots Project. Well, welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast, Brian. We're happy you're here today. I have a great guest, Brian from The Lots Project. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. How are you, Brian? Good. How's it going, Tom? I'm doing great. Doing great. The reason I had you here is I want to talk all about homesteading and some of the small businesses and your experience with homesteading and the small businesses that came out of it, and then talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about your adventures out with some big dogs so i think that'd be kind of interesting too so um welcome to the show and introduce yourself brian all right my name's brian alexovich um i uh, i guess i currently own uh homestead with my wife uh, in onamia minnesota uh 35 acres uh some farmland fields and uh, woods and swamp. And so we purchased this homestead probably, it was right around seven years ago. I think uh, our seven year anniversary was the beginning of the month. Um, started up many, many homestead enterprises uh, over the last five years or so. And then I uh, got to a point where we decided that we didn't want to deal with the cold in Minnesota anymore. And started coming up with a plan to kind of transition out of this homestead and go find a new one somewhere in a, a little different climate. So uh, that's kind of where we're at right now in that middle of that transition. See, with the snow coming down right now in the beautiful cold weather, how in the world do you want to leave all this, man? How do you want to leave it? I don't understand. I don't know. I got to head out to work tomorrow morning. It's supposed to be negative 10. So, um, yeah, I could just keep on driving south and be totally fine with it. Yeah, for a guy that works in small little boxes at gas stations with fires and stuff, yeah, your fingers have got to be frigid all the time. Yeah, they're pretty much numb. Comfortably numb, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, until Corey, we said hello um, for everyone. Uh, Brian and Corey came out to our Eagles property, like our first uh, non-family visitors at camp. So cool. They brought Comfrey. They brought some, some rabbit poop, and that was great. And uh, we got to show them around the property. And then 
completely changed and we planted the comfrey and then left <laughs> literally but, uh, we really appreciate you guys coming out it was so great meeting you and it was it was really cool dude so thank you so much yeah no problem that wasn't actually the first time we met we met up at costco that day and i dropped you off a bunch of scoby oh yes absolutely we were making kombucha and i had i had some um my scooby had, scoby had uh gotten mold and i needed new stuff and brian that stuff i called it happy that was the best scoby i've ever had i mean it was virulent man it would just went boom and uh we made some great stuff with that. So I do appreciate that. And I do have some, I'm going to start up, uh, um, start up some kombucha real soon, some dombucha. So thank you, dude. No, no problem. Yeah. That's, uh, all organic, all organic tea. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was good stuff. It multiplied really good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to make it again. It's been, it's been too long since I made my own, uh, I mean, I really haven't made it since we left the, uh, the apartment a while back. So I'm ready. I just, it's been a little crazy here. So we'll get that going soon. And uh, got to say hi to Greg Burns from Nature's Image Farms, uh, the Contrary Beekeeper Show podcast. Uh, good man, Greg Burns. He's uh, out in Ohio. I don't know if you know him, Brian, but uh, he's just, he's a great guy. Really great guy. I think I've seen him in your forums. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's always a funny little uh, quip or <laughs> that's for sure. But that's why we love Greg so much. He's a, uh, He's my hillbilly whisperer. I mean, he's my homestead whisperer, too. He's been doing a lot of cool stuff over in Ohio, so it's really cool. But uh, let's talk about you a little bit. So seven years on the homestead. What got you into homesteading? What was your – how did you get there? What? What? Did, how come? Why? What's your why? <laughs> uh, we wanted to take care of ourselves, okay. basically, in a nutshell. Uh, we were living in the suburbs of Minneapolis, and, I mean, this is a – seven years ago. So, I mean, nothing crazy was going on by any means, but we were looking around and like what we saw, um, you know, doomsday preppers was on and everybody was all geeking out about that. And I was looking around going, I just want to be able to take care of myself and I can't take care of myself. If I can't grow my own food and raise my own protein and, sure. and I mean, d even defend myself, I can't, I can't defend myself in a, in a suburban neighborhood. Um, so, we started looking and we looked for a year um, really before we found a property that we felt comfortable with the price and the size of the property and what it was. Um, we, yeah, it was a long search. Sure. Sure. What suburb were you in? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, Crystal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, yes. So we were over in the, uh, uh, in the uh, Shingle Creek neighborhood in, in Minneapolis. So, oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> virtual yeah, neighbors. Your, your neighborhood is migrating towards my neighborhood yes exactly and it was a humdinger when we left so um yeah glad we left and uh, we drove through there the other day and it was like yeah cool but we're gone and we have a beautiful place now so yeah <laughs> I, Corey's, parents, Corey's parents still live down there and and we go and yeah it's the, just the way it's changed in yeah. seven years it's it's totally changed uh i don't know if we could have sold for what we did now because that neighborhood's just kind of gone downhill well believe it or not uh the average uh home price in the twin cities is three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. so that those neighborhoods in the north side are extremely um they're extremely they're in a lot of demand and when we sold last year we had 30 showings 17 offers it was ridiculous and we got a lot over the asking price just because there's no affordable 
housing in the cities. So um, I'm sure it's the same way in that neighborhood now, believe it or not. So uh, you'd be surprised how much those properties are selling for. Well, you guys decided to get out. What was the first thing you got? Did you grow stuff? Did you get animals? What did you do first? Uh, well, we moved here in December, so uh, we didn't really do a whole lot uh, right away. Uh -oh. and, uh, over the winter, and we ended up uh, ordering, uh, I think, 15 chickens in the spring. It was like a rainbow pack of laying hens, um, day-old chicks through the mail, and then planned a garden of all of four uh, soil bag like planting right in the soil bags. Uh, we did tomatoes and pumpkins and zucchinis, I think, our first year. I often say that tomatoes are the gateway drug to gardening and homesteading. So that's kind of where I was going with that. Chickens, for that matter. So, <laughs> yeah, our chickens. Yeah, that's where we're going to start to in the spring, the chickens. So, so where did you go from there? I mean, you had a garden, you got chickens. What was next? Uh, so we quickly outgrew our little, uh, soil bag garden and started planning this massive market garden, um, started installing, uh, stepped raised beds into a hill, uh, worked my ass off doing that, which in retrospect didn't even need to be done. It was the worst spot in the property to build a garden, but I was excited to do it. Gotcha. Why did you pick that spot? Because it was going to look cool. <laughs> because you could. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it was great. It, it was perfect for raised beds, and it was like a sloped hill, and I could step them in and and grade them out. It was, you know, just a, a DIYer's wet dream, and yeah, it didn't need to be done. It was the wrong spot to put a garden. Oh, um, you go yeah, with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Were you so you're building your old own soil and your own compost, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep, using the, the chicken clean out and then uh, hauled in black dirt uh, probably, I think, over the whole period, probably three dump trucks full of black dirt we purchased and then mixed in with our, our compost we made on site. And eventually we ended up with rabbits too, so that, that kind of added to the, all the compost making. Wow, yeah, I mean, sounds similar to what, kind of the path we're about to go down so were you kind of were you going to do like the curtis stone thing and have your market garden and sell all your veggies make a million that way um well we were we were gonna produce for ourselves as much as we could and then try to sell the excess um whatever that excess turned out to be um we so we did initially we planted we started rhubarb from seed we started asparagus from seed we um started uh perennial gar garlic beds um strawberry raised beds like so we were going long term on those like i have i have five-year-old six-year-old rhubarb out there that i started from seed in my beds right now wow that's really cool so it was it was kind of a long-term project and eventually we wanted to go to more perennials or in um you know, like hands off the asparagus and, you know, just the maintenance instead of the, the raising the annuals for ourselves. So the, the tomatoes and peppers and all that would be our, for ourselves and then sell off the excess, but not try to do a huge crop. Now, one thing we did do very well on was selling starter plants. Oh, okay. 
So we would start racks and racks and racks of tomatoes, peppers, anything anybody really wanted us to start. And we would pre-sale them and start them. And then obviously we would start way more than we had ordered and sell those off. Well, that's kind of cool. That's something I could do. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, next door, Craigslist, um, coworkers, friends, yeah. sell them, sell them. It's a better quality plant and you can sell it cheaper than Home Depot sure. or the same price as Home Depot, whatever you want to do, but you're still into it for less. And, you know, you work with the people, you get your containers back, you do all the stuff that saves you money. Right. Yeah, my uh, brother-in-law was saying there's a couple of his friends that uh, they have their own little plant business down, side hustle down in uh, in Minneapolis, and they're selling more exotic type plants, and they're actually doing all right with it. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I would always offer a bunch of different peppers, uh, a bunch of different hot peppers, and then bell peppers, different types of bell peppers, like the chocolates and all that stuff, and uh, the different heirloom tomatoes, and and I would just make a sheet. Um, about this time of year with what I was going to offer and then just start handing them out people's works and anywhere, leaving them places, gas stations, whatever, with all the contact information and you pre-order the plants and I start them and raise them and sell them to you. Gone. Nice. Yeah. And in your, in your farmhouse, you had space for a, a large scale, well, a large, small scale operation, plant growing operation. Yeah, we did them on uh, two by four, like uh, tough racks, uh, yep. like garden storage. Yeah, I mean it's Corey and I and the three dogs in a in a fifteen hundred square foot farmhouse. So yeah, we have plenty of room. We had we've had whole rooms in our house dedicated to aquaponics or hydroponics, uh, microgreen grow systems, and plant starting systems. And holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a big deal for us to move into a camper. We've really lived in a couple rooms of the house and you utilize the rest for the farm business. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. We're looking at our farmhouse going, okay, we want to add a little more space. So we have family coming out instead of people, bodies all over the place, have more room. And, uh, and then like Julie asked me the other day, she's like, okay, you're going to want to start your seed soon. I'm like, yeah, where are we going to put that? Uh, I'm not sure yet. We'll figure that out. So, yeah, and chicks are going to want to be warm when you bring them home. I mean, it's doable in the barn. I know a ton of people that do it. I kept it in my living room in a in a one of the feet the water troughs, the yep. like 4 by 2 water troughs. Right. Right. So, yeah, I ran a commercial size incubator in my living room with quail and chicken hatching and sold <laughs> off baby chicks and <laughs> I, I don't know if our cat would appreciate well she might really appreciate that It'd be like free food for her, you know oh the dogs love to babysit him our old german shepherd he would he would sit and watch the chicks and babysit him and then walter he he loved just going and checking on him sticking his big head in there and <laughs> just looking at him yeah i will love them i will hug them i will take care of them yeah, yeah. little baby huey yes janie on the other hand the cat she sits and watches all the birds coming into the feeder and, and her little tail swishes back and forth. I think she would have dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So we got to figure that out, obviously. But uh, that's going to be a challenge this year. Same with the plants. That's going to be a challenge. So You just got to heat one of those little barns you got there. Yeah. Yeah. And hope the mice don't get into stuff, right? Or Yeah, they're dealable. You can deal with mice. They're not horrible. Yeah. 
Okay. I've been dealing with them, to be honest. It's just a necessary nu- nuisance around this, just this, the, the kind of property you're on right now. Right. Exactly. That's true. That's true. So Manage we've, them. Yeah. Yeah. We even managed them in Minneapolis, too, believe it or not. So a few little mice. So, um, okay. So you had plants going. You, it sounds like you were doing a little bit of turkeys and, and, and chickens. Yep, what other we did? Get going? We, well, we did layers. So we did laying hens. Uh, I think we ended up peaking out at maybe a hundred. I think we had a hundred, um, adults. And then we were selling, um, like 10 week, eight week old, 10 week old. So we were hatching them from our own fertile eggs and then selling eight to 10 week old started chicks or day old chicks, whatever you wanted. And then we were doing pastured uh, meat birds, both chickens and turkeys. Uh, So we were out moving those every day uh, around in chicken tractors in our backfield. Um, We did, let's see, we did quail. raised quail we sold them everything from quail eggs to full grown to processed and ready for the table quail microgreens we did a a hydroponic microgreens operation for for a while uh, a season at farmer's market and then uh covid hit as we were kind of ramping up that gotcha oh man that's too bad yeah this everything happens for a reason man right (laughs) that's true (laughs) and you're not doing that now obviously uh, no, actually, I, uh, I ended up selling off the systems, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, we're we're pretty much all shut down. I think we have uh, about a dozen laying hens left that are free range that the coyotes haven't picked off quite yet. That uh, I think they're all too old to lay because I haven't seen an egg, and I don't know how long we're just feeding them because we're humane people. <laughs> Soup birds, then, huh? Oh yeah, if we could catch them, because they've they've just been free roaming for six to seven months now, and I mean they'll get close enough when we feed them, but they're not real crazy about humans at this point. <laughs> they've watched enough of their numbers drop from this yeah. and, the other, and you guys. <laughs> yeah, they they sit around on processing day, going, "Oh, I, that'll never happen to me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, what happened to Bob? I don't know. It, <laughs> it just disappeared. Wow. So you guys yeah. had it. You had it all going on. You had all the all the things going on. So yeah, we had a rabbitry too. I guess I didn't mention that we had at some one point we had probably a hundred ish rabbits on site. Holy cow! So at what point did you say, uh, "This is crazy. This is enough. This is too much. We need to do something else." What at what point was that? Um, it was at the end of the season one year uh, when we were struggling to get the garden put away, struggling to finish off the last round of meat chickens. And it was like the end of September and it dumped like three inches of snow one night. And I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> um, so we kind of had a, uh, a frank discussion between the two of us and Corey's lived in Minnesota her whole life. Um, she's traveled a little bit here and there. Um, I grew up in New York. I've traveled a bit, but not a ton. Um, you can always travel more in this country. It's huge. And we wanted to go find someplace new. Okay. And so we just, 
we want someplace a little warmer, a little easier to, um, a little longer growing season, a little more time to actually get the stuff we want to get done, done before you have to hibernate for four months. Right. Right. No, I got you. I, that must've been like a couple years ago when that snow hit. Cause I yep. remember I had a full garden going and then the snow hit and it was like SOB, you know, yeah, I couldn't move. I couldn't move my turkeys for two days because I couldn't drag the the turkey tractor through the snow. It was like impacted into the field, and then all I did was drag them over wet, nasty, soggy snow for the next three weeks until I got them processed. Wow, that kind of sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not it's not right for the birds. I mean, yep. I, I'm, I'm sure they didn't really care, but in I didn't think it was right to treat them that way. So, I mean, that's just timing. You're not, you don't want to process turkeys in September. Right. Right. Everybody's looking for Thanksgiving turkeys, right? Yeah. Especially when they're hundred bucks a pop. Cause you're feeding them uh, no corn, no soy, organic feed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, want it, you want it fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have those all pre-sold and all that too? You took orders and yeah. 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 Those Dang. ones for sure. So as you're looking at this whole homestead business model and doing all these things, was the juice worth the squeeze? Was it worth it? Um, if I, it would have been, yes. If, okay. if I had had the time, um, you know, Corey and I both worked full time through the whole time through all of the <laughs> adventures and they all overlapped at some points. They were, you know, three or four different animals deep. And, you know, you're working 50, 60 hours a week at your normal job and then doing that on top and then trying to find time to market it. So I think that was the biggest missing piece in our puzzle was with all the time we were spending at our paying jobs and then all the time we were spending taking care of everything we were cultivating on the farm, we didn't have the time to sell it. Right. Gotcha. So, you know, we, we had a lot of help. We had a lot of people helped us, um, kind of promoted things. Um, a lot of people also said they were going to buy stuff and you never really got an order. <laughs> um, uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, my, it's my fault. I mean, I didn't market the product good enough. So, um, I think that's where we were lacking is in the time. It's, gotcha. it's, it's a time thing. Um, if you build your, customer base as you're building your um, amount of product available I, I think it was it'd be totally doable but to do the scale we needed to do to get away from having to do the paying job even for one of us we didn't have the time to make it all work yeah and it seems like you were really scaling up and then it was like epiphany okay time for something else <laughs> well we just we just kind of realized the magnitude of what you'd have to do in such a short period of time to last you the whole year i mean yeah you could do something else in the winter but it, to make that transition to make that leap to replace two full-time incomes or even one full-time income it was a lot and to jam it all into you know from may to september yeah yep plus have the uh have enough to cover benefits or medical expenses, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. And the microgreens um, done inside in a hydroponic system, that might've been a path, but you know, yeah, we, we actually had a couple meetings with restaurants and um, 
I, they, they love the product. I was, I was, uh, going to sell them actually live trays of microgreens grown on jute bat and take them to them. So they were still growing so they could actually harvest them as they were using them. And I had a couple chefs that just were lo in love with it and then everything closed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't afford to run it mm -hmm. and not sell it because right. I didn't have any customers to sell it to. So I wasn't able to pivot quick enough to make it work. Yeah. Gotcha. Totally getcha. Yeah. As opposed to say my friend, Michael Bell, who's got his little market garden down in Dallas area, down in Dallas where it's warm. Right. And, uh, he's got customers lined up. He's got a lot of vegans and he's in the Dallas area. So he's got a huge customer base potentially, or even in a suburb, he's got a huge customer base as opposed to the boondocks. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I set up a whole program. I was going to uh, do um, delivery route once, twice a oh. week. Um, I advertised the crap out of it. Home delivery once a week of microgreens, uh, bulk price. Uh, you know, I targeted um, like retirement homes, like the nurses at the retirement homes, not the employees, um, office buildings, uh, private residents. And I just couldn't get enough bite to make the gas and the time worth it because I was going to have to take a day off of my paying job to make that trip. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then you, yeah, another, um, I guess, quote unquote, warm weather or warm building um, market you were trying to develop was kombucha, scooby, scoby, you know, some yeah. of that stuff too. Yep. Yep. We sold that. Um got a couple of hits on that i mean i didn't push that real hard that was kind of more uh we were making that for ourselves and the selling the the byproducts basically so right. it was I, I didn't really have enough production to push it too hard so you know i threw it on facebook and on craigslist and got a couple of hits here and there oh that's good and then like i said it was really good stuff so <laughs> Yeah. Really? <laughs> it's very happy. Yep. Yep. And I think actually the, the best thing we ended up doing, um, the, the best product we had on the farm and actually it was right till the very end. It was the last thing I've actually sold here was, uh, the comfrey root cuttings, mm -hmm. um, and selling them through the mail. Um, uh, and I think that was strictly because I listed it as shipping once a week. Um, I would take orders all week up until Sunday morning, and then I would process them all on Sunday afternoon, drop them in the mail on Monday, and then do the same thing. And I had orders every week from the time the ground thawed until the time I shut it off in September. And wow. it was great. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was five years in the making, four years in the making that I've been growing all the comfrey plants to get them strong enough to have that root system. Cause I double dug probably 10% of my plants. So I dug almost all my plants this year and double dug 10% uh, had grown back enough to harvest again. Wow. How many plants did you have? Mm -mm. 140, I think. <laughs> it must have been a field of comfrey. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got one up in the original garden. I started on that hill, you know, that uh, was useless and the wrong place to do it. And then the rest of it is in a field in along the edge of our backfield, like actually where our garden should have been. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we planted, I think we had eight plants going from you uh, at Eagles Ridge. And mm -hmm. 
And then we bought this place and, uh, and, and it was a drought year. I mean, it was still growing when we sold the property, but I don't know how it's done now. I don't know what the new owners have done and I've haven't, you know, it won't matter. It'll be there forever. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't kill the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You literally can chop it off the ground and, you know, four days later, there's a huge leaf coming out of it again. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I got, so three, I think 320 foot rows of plants out in that field. And that was just all for harvesting and selling and harvesting and selling and replanting and splitting. And that's pretty amazing. I mean, I've got, the funny thing is I, I did we weren't able to take that stuff with us cause we were moving pretty quick to get down here and we sold it pretty fast, but I got here and I've got one, two, three, four. And then uh, I've discovered another one in our back pasture that that's just, they're, these are huge plants. I'm like, holy cow. So, Oh yeah. There's a spot where I processed it all summer. So I set up like a fish cleaning table and sure. I would, you know, harvest the plants and then break them all down. I think I did a video on, put it on YouTube uh, about propagating. And uh, so that I would just rinse the table off over and over and over. And Corey and I were walking past it uh, the other day. Well, the other day in like October and it, uh, there was a huge comfrey plant just started from the roots that had washed off the table. Like I hadn't planted them or dug them in or anything. It was just washing them off the table and laying in the soil and this huge plant established. Wow. And well, that was over like, you know, three months, four months, maybe. Right. And you know, I, when I found this plant, I was clearing that pasture back there cause she had sheep and it was all kind of junk growing up. But then I looked at this plant, I'm like, holy crap, that's comfrey. And I left it and then a deer found it, but it's going to come back. There's no question about it. So they'll only eat it if they need it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was yeah, a bug. Start splitting them and it'll multiply like crazy. And then the deer will leave it alone. They'll only, they'll only get into it if they're feeling a little injured or they don't, they won't mow it down. Okay. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay. Dang. Well, comfrey is a good way to go. Sounds like to me. Oh, I know absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's another couple of revenue streams we had. Um, Corey would make uh, comfrey salve. Yep. Um, and we sold dried comfrey leaves. We sold uh, root cuttings. Um, what else? Oh, rabbit foot keychains. Uh, yep. So when we pra- we'd process the rabbits, we'd have all the feet. And so we learned how to um, dry those and turn them into keychains. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't convinced Jules on the rabbits yet. I don't think I'll get her on that one yet. You got to split it up. That's uh, <laughs> the, so Corey took care of them. I uh, took care of the breeding and the dispatching. So I took care of the beginning and the end. And then she took care of the cute little bunnies and all that. And she didn't have to do any of the other stuff, but I didn't get to, uh, you know, handle them every day and everything. So when it came time to do the end of life, it was kind of detached for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think that's where the trouble would be is Jules wouldn't want that day to come. So, <laughs> well, it, it's tough. It's tough with your breeders because they're around so long, you know, three, two, three years. Um, but you always have kits. If you start up a rabbitry, you will always have babies. And so as you dispatch the babies, you just say, Hey, you got more coming. There's going to yeah. be more tomorrow. There's more today. I mean, depending on how many you're doing. Mm-hmm. I've never had rabbit to be honest with you. So I, I can't it's say we we love it. We we really liked it. I mean, we'll have them again. We won't have them on the scale we did. Um, it's a tough sell. 
um, it's super expensive. So we, we would, we went to high V in, in crystal <clears throat> or new hope there. And, um, I think a rabbit, half the size of the ones we were selling, were selling for twice as much as we were selling ours for. Wow. And we couldn't sell ours because people had to come to the farm to pick them up because we processed them ourselves. Sure. Yeah. So. What, what kind of dishes would you make out of those? I'm just curious. Would it like Hassan pfeffer or something or anything you'd use chicken? Oh, okay. All right. Yep. It's, it's a white meat. It, it's uh it's fantastic uh i think i don't know if we still have our recipe page up on our website but we had a bunch of rabbit recipes yeah it's, it was pretty much a we'd substituted in for chicken um yeah smoked on the smoker was fantastic um uh, broken down and deep fried like a, a fried chicken a bake a crock pot so it sounds to me that one of the biggest barriers to monetizing the homestead was time and then customer base was another one, or mar getting the market out there, or getting to the market. What other challenges do you see? Those are probably the two biggest ones, especially where you live. Yeah, time, letting it pay for itself, being okay. patient, letting it grow. You know, you you go a little bit, you get a little success, and you just want to jump whole hog in, like I, I do, at least. Um, so then you're trying to do play a little catch-up on making making the money worth it and um i think if you you let it grow and let the profit pay for the expansion you know the profit's coming in already mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah we were having to jump at such a big scale to you know if we could have done it forever for us but we didn't need 35 acres and uh 90 minute drive to do it for us. Uh, we were in, in trying to do it full time and to make that jump was, it was, it was the wrong time. You know, it was the wrong, I think the wrong property, the wrong location. We learned a lot in what we're looking for now, as opposed to what we thought we were looking for before we had done any of this. Sure. Um, the, the layout was already set here. Um, not how I would have done it. So, sure. you know, you're working with other people's mistakes already. <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel that pain. I know I've got a, um, a house that's uh, 1900s. And part of that is probably an extension that's in the 50s or so, maybe, or maybe 40s or 30s. And they built a garage and it's like, what were you thinking? That was not the right configuration guys so you know it's uh, it, it makes expanding or renovating difficult so I, I know what you're saying this is like well and why did you put this over here it should be over there and yeah and this yep. is only a few months <laughs> why did you put the chicken coop at the bottom of the hill where all the water runs and drains out in the spring and all the snow melt runs into the chicken coop and floods it yeah I'm gonna have that issue <laughs> <laughs> Then why didn't you elevate it? It could have been above any of the water that's coming through, but no, it's or at the top of any hill on all three sides of where it's located. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the things you learn, the things you learn when you when you step back and look at, and you're sitting there with a sub pump trying to pump out your chicken coop, and you go, "How could I have prevented this situation? <laughs> <laughs> How could I have not done stupid with zeros on it?" Right? Yeah, you know it. It is what it is. I mean, it is. It's, the whole experience, the whole seven years, I would never trade it in for anything. Um, I think it's just going to be completely uh, invaluable when we actually end up landing someplace that 
we're hoping to find raw land and be able to develop ourselves and not make the stupid mistakes that we didn't want to make here. Right, right, right. What uh, for new to for? I mean, we bought our homestead already, so we we're uh, we're here. <laughs> but there's other people I know that are starting to look or want to jump into it. I mean, there was like an exodus out of the cities. I think it's still going to happen, especially where you can work from home now and you can be in a rural spot. What what are some tips that you have, or that just just from your experience there? Um, really, I mean, it depends on what you're looking to do. If you're looking to run, uh, like a commercial operation, uh, sure. and, and make money homesteading, I would really look at proximity to a market. Um, you know, like we joked after about the first year we were here and said, everything's an hour from us. Yeah. Everything. Brainerd's an hour from us. St. Cloud's an hour from us. Elk River's an hour from us. Cambridge is an hour from us. It's the drive and the fuel and the time to go sell things. And then the extra marketing to get someone to come to you. And mm -hmm. we're drawing from those smaller cities. Um, if I wanted to get into like the Minneapolis market to, to get people to drive 90 miles, it's, it's, a, it's a tough sell. And, yes. you know, you're charging city prices for somebody to drive 90 miles to come and get the same product. Yeah. Yep. So gotcha. lo location, um, you know, uh, infrastructure is great if it's the right infrastructure. Um, really evaluate how things are set up and why they were set up that way. Uh, if you're buying a horse farm to try to raise chickens, I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, my my property has it was a it was an old school farm they did hogs they did other you know they did uh, field crops and and whatnot they they weren't set up to be a small multi-product homestead gotcha gotcha so, i mean you can make it work but you know really evaluate what you want to do and how it's set up because you know, it just makes things easier if it's, if it's more conducive to, to what you want to do. But that being said, what's available is what's available. Right, right, right. And size wise, I mean, you got 35 acres. I'm on 10. Amy Dingman's on five. Uh, Greg Burns, he was on 15. Um, what, what's we're, targe we're targeting five to 15 now. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Like I could have done, so our next venture was going to be hogs and we have like an ideal setup for pastured and, uh, forest raised hogs in our backfield. Um, it's kind of a long, narrow field, about 10 acres. And then there's a strip next to it. that's probably another five acres of woods where you could just paddock out into the field and then down into the woods back and forth all the way down the field. Um, like ideal perfect setup would have been for hogs. But again, at the season so short and the way it's sloped, it would be a muddy mess for, you know, the majority of the spring and the majority of the fall. And mm -hmm. so we, we never got there. It was probably a good thing. Cause I would have been miserable. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah. And I'm looking at our prop thinking about my property. It slopes. I mean, our heel, our house is on the, a hill essentially and it slopes to the north it slopes to the east and then we're it slopes up to the uh to the south so yeah we've got it's interesting here so it was good for sheep though so the sheep liked it and yeah uh, it's still early enough make sure you uh plan your snow positioning for the melt and the runoff yes 
yes, that is what my buddy Bert has been telling me too. He lived, they moved out here last year and, and he was telling me about snow and putting snow in places and I'm learning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This the first year, just document everything. Uh, that's a, that's another from day one document, everything. Um, mm. You will be surprised what you remember, but you'll be surprised what you forget and what you wish you had remembered. Um, as far as like where the water piles up in the spring and, you know, in, in spots in the yard that are just random. So don't plant a freaking pine tree there because it's never <laughs> going to grow because it's going to grow all great all year. And then the next spring when the snow melts and it all the water pools there, it kills your tree. Gotcha. So, you know, just that type of stuff where the water runs, uh, water is my big deal. We have a lot of drainage issues around here because, uh, it, we live on the bottom of kind of the whole slope down into the swamp. Mm. So we're on the very last, we're like the last property before the drainage basin into the rum. So. Gotcha. Yeah. We've got, uh, here in the driftless, we've got coolies, you know, kind of the, the, the valleys that go down and connect into rivers and such. We're taking water from the field to the to the south. We're taking water from our back pasture. We're taking we're taking a lot of people's water and and other uh, fields to the south, even further south. So it's like everything is coming here and then runs down into the Rush River eventually. So we've got a, I know we've got a lot of water trucking in here, and I I, I can't wait to see it the spring. Swales and ponds. Yep, and we've got we've got gullies and we've got some big pipes here that have been in place for who knows how long. But uh, it's gonna. I'm gonna watch the stuff close. I mean, erosion is a concern, and especially taking everybody's water. You know, it's like holy smokes. What's eh, you know? It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the house is fine. I mean, I, I want to. That's another concern. Is just getting the water away from this old house, and you know, keeping this house up as long as I can. You know, so. Yeah, we ended up doing water mitigation in the basement where we had interior drain tile put in and, you know, we're 1932, I think, like poured concrete foundation and in the spring, the water would just like pour through it when the snow would melt. Mm, lovely. Yeah, it was, it was great. So yeah, that was a, a project we did, um, put, did that and it, it, it's been fantastic ever since. I would, I haven't regretted it a day. Um. But yeah, that was a, that was a major, major deal. They put in a really big dehumidifier and, um, yeah, interior drain tile and a, and a film over the, the poured concrete. I need to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you some pictures of my, uh, cellar and it's interesting. So, oh yeah, yeah. Ours was a swamp for the first, uh, I don't know, three years and we couldn't deal with it anymore. Like you couldn't keep anything down there and it, it was, it was horrible. Uh, there was a sub pump and, and yeah, we got this done and it's been dry as a bone ever since. That's great. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. So those are good tips. Really good tips. I'm <laughs> <laughs> learning a lot. <laughs> you know, for a new homesteader like me, it's like everything is a freaking new learning experience, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to try everything too. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. And you know, from like today I was plowing three or four inches of snow and, having four wheel drive is awesome. Cause then I can actually plow the stuff, you know, as opposed to having just two wheel drive. That was a not white knuckling experience, but uh, throw, throw some chains on it. It'll get even funner. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, just, and then I'm going to get into pruning the orchard that's here. I mean, that is one of the nice things about having a place that's already here is I'm improving what's here, you know, and I'm not yeah. starting from scratch. That's kind of nice. There is some nice to that. Yeah, that, and that's one thing we have done here that the next person is going to either, you know, they're either going to keep it going or that's kind of what we're hoping. But we put in, you know, six, six apple trees, I think three, three varieties. Um, we've planted, oh God, dozens of uh, pine trees and maple trees. We would just walk out in the woods and dig up tiny trees and bring them up and plant them everywhere all around the house. Um, made some windrows, made some uh, privacy walls out of pine trees. And so those are all like five, four or five, six year established trees now where we planted them. They were, you know, probably a foot tall. And now I would guess some of them are 20 plus easy on the pine trees. That's cool. That's really cool, dude. I don't know much about pruning yet, so I'm going to have to learn. <laughs> yeah, I never got there. Our trees, we, uh, we did uh, one, I think we did one year old bare roots. So they were probably four or five foot tall when we planted them and they've been in three years. So it'd be right about this time. Uh, we should have probably been this fall. They should have got pruned a little bit, but they did great last year. So I just letting them rock. Sure, sure. And the deer haven't mowed them down. Uh, I have them. Fenced. The deer haven't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question for you. Um, fencing around the garden. What do you recommend? Because you know deer can fly. Yeah. Um, one hot wire on anything you do on the top. Okay. Okay. Um, and then bait it with tin foil and peanut butter. Oh, so how high are your fences? Uh, that's all you really need if you do it that way. Um, but we never actually put a full fence around our garden, around our, around our apple trees. I think we just have a, a 36 inch or a 48 inch, uh, woven wire, like chicken wire with, uh, step in T posts. And then, uh, my bigger concern was the, they're close enough to the house. I think the deer kind of stay away from them. Um, okay. and it's just a deterrent. So they don't walk through there and get distracted by them and there's a huge crab apple tree kind of close so um but they uh the bigger thing is the rabbits in the winter um you can take some uh, four inch black drain pipe yep and cut sections and then slice it down and wrap it around the trunk so as the as the snow comes up and the rabbits come they don't eat the bark off oh okay so you do like a 24 inch 24 inch section of pipe and just put like a sleeve over the trunk sure sure Ooh, sounds like i got a project to work on here pretty quick <laughs> well i mean if you got a set if you have established trees that have been there then they're probably pretty good it's 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 more the younger trees i think is the issue yeah and i know we got rabbits here because i see their uh their prints everywhere in fact i was shoveling and uh, right in our front, we have this alleyway between the garage and the house, and I was shoveling almost down the step, and all of a sudden, from out underneath the deck, where I thought there was some critter fencing down there, nope, rabbit shoots out and shoots off into the woods. It, he was a pretty big rabbit, too. I was like, dang. Oh, yeah. we, have, we have some <laughs> of our rabbits that are, are still living so. in the area. We, we had a whole litter get loose and we weren't ever able to catch them of our meat rabbits. And, um, a lot of them survived. 
Uh, every once in a while, we'll see like a black rabbit just like shooting across the yard. That oh yeah, that was one of ours. Oh wow, that's crazy, dude. That's it's kind of cool though. <laughs> yeah, they go down and eat with the you chickens. Know? Like we feed the chickens in a bowl. And we'll go down there. There'll be rabbits sitting in the in the chicken food bowl eating with the chickens. And nature will find a way, right? I think that yeah, was pretty much. <laughs> so as you look towards the future. You guys are going to talk about getting on the road and, and such. You had an adventure recently. You went boondocking out to Pacific Northwest. Tell us about that adventure a little bit. Yeah. Um, so our plans right now are to sell this homestead and hit the road for, um, we've kind of committed to each other to do it at least a year, uh, travel around and, and kind of check out the country um, so our maiden voyage after retrofitting our camper, um, to completely boondock off grid, like put in solar and uh, composting toilet and a wood stove and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, our maiden voyage was supposed to be out to Seattle area to go to Squatch Fest with, um, Ryan Norton, um. I'm a member of his coffee club, um, got chatting with him. Guys got phenomenal customer service. Um, he was throwing this event and it was kind of lining up with when we wanted to take off. And so we made it a target and we bought tickets. Um, we got the camper done in time to take off. Uh, unfortunately we didn't have time to get the, the homestead ready or get it sold. So we ended up having to come back, but yeah, we took a two-week trip out and kind of put the camper through its paces. And, uh, you know, we traveled every day, which isn't what we want to do going forward. We want to go spot to spot and stay for, you know, four or five days or two weeks or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a great test run for, uh, for all the systems we installed in the camper. Yeah, that's cool. And I was watching some of your videos of you outfitting the camper, and it's like, dang, that looks actually kind of easy and and the trip looked a lot of fun um <laughs> yeah sometimes when i get on these projects i swear a lot i mean a lot and it's a struggle i'm not the most i'm not a mechanic or i'm not a <laughs> there's things i'm good at and there's things i'm not so good at and i'm learning <laughs> yeah i'm learning uh, how to edit video i got uh, still i have a, a just a a stack of video to go through from all the projects i did i i ended up uh I started editing a bunch and at the end of a couple of them, I took a whole week off of work to um, kind of get caught up and basically was uh, to install the solar system and the wood stove. I took a solid week off of work and I put in like 60, 70 hours into those two projects that week and filmed them all and everything. But uh, I wasn't doing audio because I was just kind of working away and filming everything. And I was like, Oh, I'll just edit it all in at the end. And yeah, that's a freaking nightmare. So the last, uh, you know, towards the end of the whole project, it was shooting videos and just going for it. No script, just rock and roll and, and spit it out and uh, throw the video out there. So that was a hell of a lot easier. And so now I have this pile of, of uh, video from all those installs uh, inside the camper to try to piece together and i'm finding oh i didn't quite get a good shot of that how am i going to explain that in a voiceover and it's a mess no i get that i've got tons of videos that i've got and i find that it's just you know just do it and post it going yep. back is 
a pain. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long winter doing it. It's like Saturday and Sunday morning coffee stuff. I sit down and I just look at it and I'm like, oh my God. And, you know, it's not like it was a, an afternoon project. I mean, that solar, the solar project alone from the time I, I started specking it out to uh, ordering the stuff to putting it in was like a nine month project. Wow. It, was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was unreal. It was a lot of work, um, but I didn't want, someone else to do it and i wanted to know how it worked how it was installed how it was wired everything from the design to the ordering to the to the installation to flipping the switch yeah and again my friend michael bell he's got his little farm you know in in the dallas area and he doesn't have power out there so he's been fiddling with solar and i think he's got a generator but he would really benefit from something like that you know he's got a little shed down there that is kind of his using my air quotes cabin and uh he's i'm sure he would benefit from something like that too i'll, I'll share those videos with him because i think he would get a get a lot out of them so that's good yeah stuff. i mean actually it's part of the the lots project once we take off uh, i'm going to be looking for places to go and help him help people do stuff so um might be worth a visit down to dallas and help him set something up oh yeah yeah he's a he's a real good guy and he he's yeah he's been on the show a lot and um yeah i think he would he would love it i'm gonna try to get down there this year too in march so i can't wait to get to shake his hand and go see his go see it you know so it's that's the beauty of this job is or job this podcast is i get to meet so many cool people and and they're all over the country and i just i want to go see them you know what i mean yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of our mo going uh going once we hit the road is you know we want to see a lot of the the blm land and and all that but i also want to go out and you know the old um uh what was his name that traveled around all the homesteads and uh uh on youtube uh i can't think of his name but uh yeah kind of travel around and document all the different stuff people is people are doing um help them out with with issues if they have issues or maybe they just need a hand putting a fence in or something and you know see what everybody's doing and get more ideas for once i actually settle down and, and build my my final destination i guess right right so uh, one thing you didn't talk about, and uh, some folks might not know this about you and Corey, but you have three fur babies. And when I say fur babies, we're talking some big ass dogs. <laughs> yeah, we got, uh, we got two St. Bernards and a St. Bernard Great Dane mix. Um, <laughs> Walter, Walter's our oldest. Uh, he just turned two. He's, uh, I think he's about 150 pounds. And then... Uh, Norman is the other St. Bernard. He's uh, already outpacing his brother. He's a year old, and I think he's probably pushing more like 160 now. And then the Dane oh. Bernard mix is around 130, and he's also a year year old. Those are huge, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think of them as that big anymore. I mean, I, I had to rip the back seat out of my truck and put a platform in so they could have a place to travel with us, but, you know... <laughs> Now Janie's only nine pounds, so you know, put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah, oh when, when we brought him home at at uh, seven weeks, they were like twenty five pounds. So, <laughs> yeah. So, how was that? How did they love? Did they love traveling? Did they love that? Absolutely. Uh, they were great. They were 
they were really, really good on the trip. They, they sleep so much. I mean, that's kind of the part of the St. Bernard deal is as they sleep a lot, they'll like sleep 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day. Um, so traveling, they just kind of zonk out in the back and they all get along so well. And we actually lived in the camper in the driveway for, I think, four or five months before we left. So they were used to, like, we have to use a ramp for them to get in and out of the camper and get in and out of the truck because they can't do the stairs real well. Um, So, you know, they were used to the ramp. They were used to in and out of the camper. They were used to in and out of the truck. And, you know, we, we really... We set them up for success, and but yeah, all the new places and smells and sights—they were just ecstatic. Oh yeah, absolutely. That that's one heck of a that's one heck of a trip for those those big boys, you know. Um, yeah, there was some. I'm sure there's some funny. You have a funny story for us as uh, on the trip. Oh yeah, I mean you could you could probably go and check out the video, but uh, yeah, we were heading back from. On our way back, I think it was our second morning. So we left Seattle. We spent the night outside of Tacoma. And then in the morning, we got up, did our normal morning routine. Boys did their business, we thought. Um, we jumped in the truck. And as we're coming into Tacoma, Walter is just pacing and panting, and which isn't unusual because they're, they're so they get warm really quick. So, I mean, it'll be 50 degrees out and we'll have to have the air on in the, in the car. Like if you ever drive past us, we'll always have jackets on and shit because they got, they got, uh, we have to have the air on for them. So we just kept telling him to lay down, lay down, lay down, you know, turning the air on and he's just panting and yeah, all of a sudden he started crapping in the back seat and Oh man! Yeah, oh. all over his brothers, all over all the blankets, and we're driving through the middle of Tacoma with nowhere to pull over with a thirty-two foot trailer. Oh. And yeah, so fifteen minutes later, we found a parking spot in like the parking lot of a church because it was like a Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning, and we got out. And luckily, we had the outside shower on the camper, and we still had water hooked up. So we fired up the outside shower, washed them all off, pulled everything out of the truck. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's a video up on it on our YouTube of the audio from the dash cam. The dash cam was facing the road, but the audio from it, I mean, yeah, it was an experience. That's awesome. I'll have a link into it in the show notes, too, because that's. I I remember reading the Instagram on that. I was just going, oh my God, no. (laughs) Yeah, and and what are you going to do? I mean, we just laughed about it the whole time. I mean, I was Uh gagging like crazy. Uh, I, I remember watching the. Yep. Here I come. <laughs> I'm trying to get you, man. Do you hear me? You got me? Yep. Yeah, I was just laughing. because. So it's cool. It's going to be boondocking some more. And um, any uh, any timeline for, for selling the place or anything like that as soon as possible? Or want to do some projects well, there? What's your timeline, roughly? Um, we Don't have... Uh, we're trying... We're targeting spring. Um, we had to winterize the camper. I had to like pull all the batteries out and, and stuff. And so we pulled everything out of it to get back in it right now. We'd have to drag it somewhere warm enough to kind of thaw it out and put it all back together. So I think we're targeting spring. Um, I got a bunch of stuff I'm working on over the winter, um, videos and finally going to get a podcast going. Um, nice also have you know a little project i'm doing with some people uh 
And uh, I think we're going to try to target possibly Float Fest in the spring. I think it's the end of April, beginning of May, uh, down in Texas. It's cool. a you know it's a goal. Uh, if we make it, I'm not sure. It's probably going to depend a lot on the weather. Corey's on an absolute agreement about this lots project, and or I mean, in in going RVing and and bouncing around and traveling. Cool with it. Uh, she's more of a proponent of it than I am. I think. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Amy was one. Amy was our friend. Amy was wondering. You know, she was wondering if if uh, Corey was in uh, all in or not. So oh oh definitely definitely cool. She actually, then, she actually moved into the camper first. Oh wow. Okay. Maybe she just want to get away from you for a little bit, man. That is a distinct possibility. <laughs> so um, she also asked this question: If someone wanted to get off grid to go off grid in an RV, what would be your one warning or caution? That's from Amy. Who? Um, warning or caution? Uh, be ready to spend some money if you actually want to get off grid. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's cheap. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Realizing, um, really looking into how much water you use and yes. how much electricity you use and having to size a system and then also factor in weight. Um, if you're looking to go completely like what we're doing and selling everything, we're having to pare down everything we own into under a weight restriction with the camper and the truck. Mm. So that's, uh, Minim minimizing your life and being ready to do that because as a homesteader you have a lot of crap and you'll get more and you just accumulate crap because that's what you need to do the stuff you do mm. and getting rid of all that crap is interesting process but it's freeing Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so how about your kombucha or any like some of the stuff you like to do are, you're not going to be able to do that on the road are you um kombucha's on hold um it was it's too much water too much weight and too much space mm -hmm. um it's a skill i've acquired so once we land somewhere we'll probably start it again um mead is the same way i'm sure uh, I'll run across some honey here or there, or I'll always have yeast with me and a, at least a jar or two, uh, to where I could throw a batch of mead together. Um, if I find the right honey or talk to the right people or, you know, just have an occasion to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of really determining what really makes you happy. That's pretty cool. That's pretty profound actually. So, I mean, I lived out in the camper for, oh, four months and I didn't really move in and Corey was worried about that. She thought I was going to back out on taking <laughs> off or something, but I was actually just trying to figure out what I actually needed and I, I didn't need much. And then I moved into the camper for our trip and I, we took our trip out to Seattle and back and I realized I need even less and, you know. The, the woman sitting next to me, that, that makes me the happiest that I ever need. And, you know, give me a laptop and, and a few books and I'm good to go. That's pretty cool, dude. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. That's the way it should be really, you know? So, and that's kind of what we're going for in the end too, is kind of just go do our thing in the woods and, and, you know, I don't need, I won't need a lot of money because I'm just going to provide for myself as much as I can. Obviously you need to make money to 
to procure some things, but you know, I'd love to produce as much as I can for myself on a small scale and not worry about trying to produce it on a larger scale. It's so much easier when you're just doing it for yourself. Mm, that's a good point, man. That's a really good point. Well, and as you know, we have 10, 10 acres here and, uh, feel free to roll up your, uh, your camper. If you guys are in the area, turning oh, around, sure. turning around might be a little bit of a trick, but we'll figure it out. Oh, she's, she's getting good. She, she drove the whole way. She's, she is like the camper person. She, she drove through the mountains. I didn't drive. I didn't pull the trailer one time out or back. She, uh, she, she hauled it the whole way. I think I got to turn around. We can get it turned around. So, <laughs> and we got 10 acres for the big dogs to run around. So, you know, we're good. Janie, the cat would be, um, not so happy, but we'll keep them separated. Oh, they like cats. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> They're big awesome. lovers. Yeah, They're big. I, if you're that big, you got to be a big lover. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, you've seen Cujo, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, we've, we've hit an hour. Is there anything you want to talk about before we go or anything or? Any last I mean, we got something going oh, on we could probably talk about a little oh, bit. Yeah, that's right. What are we got going on? We got a little something, something going on, brother. What do we got going on? Yeah, I, so I started talking with Tim, Toolman Tim Cook. Toolman. Yes. Um, we got talking. I was posting stuff about my, um, my camper. We kind of interacted a little bit. Uh, ended up going on his podcast and... You know, we were sitting there shooting the shit on, uh, like, a test run, and uh, like we were this. talking about collaborations, and I was like, I was, I'm really, I listen to Jack Spearco, I listen to Survival Podcast every day, uh, and so I listen to their Unloose the Goose podcast, and I kind of like that round table and the different, the different points of view, and I was like, Tim, we should do something like that, we should just talk about whatever, you know? Um, I don't know. Let's, let's think about it. And so we started talking about it and then we did his show and, you know, we kind of had a good rapport and, and we started talking a little bit and I said, well, why don't we do this? What do you think? What do you think we got like eight people together and, and just kind of rotated through and, and we could talk about whatever, you know, whatever, if somebody's having a problem, if an audience member having a problem, whatever. So we started shooting out names around and uh, we contacted you, um, Amy, uh, Hawkins and, uh, buddy and Ken and yeah, Letty. we kind of put it together. Oh, Letty also. Um, and so we put it together and so we, uh, started kind of chatting about that and came up with a catchy little name, uh, the fireside freedom podcast and, yeah, a couple weeks, like two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks. From, yeah. yeah, January eleventh, twenty 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 one, twenty twenty two. Yeah, if you're listening to this from the future, you probably already missed the debut. <laughs> it's right. And what's wrong with you? You should have known. But so, check us out. Uh, yeah, t dot me dot fireside freedom. I think yeah. is is our link. But I'm sure I'm sure Tom will have all the links in the in the show notes. Yeah, the Telegram chat has been rocking. Um, We've got a good crew. Everybody, it's really kind of fun to just have open conversation with people. And and I think 
we all bring a little different perspective. Some of us are in the East Coast. Some of us are in Canada. A lot of us are in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And there's nothing really like that. I mean, sure, we've got Jack and we've got Nicole and that Southern, you know, that Southern thing going on. And they're established homesteaders and podcasters. We're like, we're like the renegades or something, man. We're, we're just a little different. Well, I mean, it's, it's just people that are, you know, I mean, Jack never claims to do everything right, but. You know, I know I don't do half the shit right. So I'm willing to tell you why I messed it up and why you shouldn't mess it up, too. Um, and, you know, just giving that advice from both sides and, and you know, all the different perspectives. Like, I'm an anarchist. I'm a voluntarist. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm about as gray market and black market as it gets. So... <laughs> um, so, I mean, that brings a, a way different perspective than, you know, a lot of different other people. You know? Right. And, right. and I'm, I've, I've got seven years, I'm shutting mine down. I've, I've built a bunch of stuff that was successful and a bunch of stuff that failed. You're just starting out. Yep. You did your, you did, you did your gardening in, in the, in the smaller scale, but you're just starting out on the homesteading. So you right. bring all that urban, urban steading to the yes. picture. Right. Yep, we're brand new, and I mean, just plowing snow is a you know. I sure I shoveled and snowblowed stuff, but now I'm actually got a plow truck and I'm pushing snow. I mean, this everything is new, so it's everything is a learning experience. And hey, you got a you got a guy that just did it all day yesterday that uh, you're going to be on a podcast with. So <laughs> right, it's awesome. So we're going to have lots of fun. It's going to be great. And uh, we got Amy, Amy Dingman from. Yep. Uh, a farmish kind of life. She's a great podcaster and writer and she's done all the things and Letty, she's from Chicago, right? Just jumping yep. into things and finally found a place up in Wisconsin, north of me. Um, Hawkins, I don't know him very well, but um, it's going to be fun. And Ken, and then we've got uh, Toolman Tim. Oh my gosh, that guy yep. is, he's a machine for video. Yeah, so. he's a con content creating machine. I know, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I strive to be like him. Uh, me too. Be like yeah, Tim. that's that's kind of like next year. One of next year's goals is to be more like Tim. Yeah, totally. Right, and you you've been on some podcasts lately, and you know you you did unloose the goose. That's a big deal. Yeah, so, that was that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, but we're kind of we're 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 just a little different than unloose the goose, and that's totally cool, man. Yeah, I mean it. It was the same format. Is about it. Um, yes. I was looking at the format. I really like, I really like the multiple point of views looking at, at a single problem. And I think that we, as a group, um, we kind of focused on the smaller set. I know, I don't want to say, and none of, we're not small people, you know, we're all important, no. but, uh, we can focus on like a smaller issues. Uh, right, right we're not having to broadcast to the masses. We can broadcast to Dylan who asked a question in the telegram group this morning, you know, um, and, and so can unloose the goose, but I think they have a, a, a broader audience that they're pushing at. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. And, and I kind of, you know, if you look at my guests, I mean, I'm sure I've had a couple of big authors. I had uh, Glenn Tate on once and, you know, these are fairly in my mind, big personality type people, but also, my Amy on. Dingman on. I no, I have not had it. Him, you, not you should have Amy Dingman on. I can get you in with her. I think. I know. I know. Right. I think I can get her on. I don't know. It's <laughs> the schedule, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to have Toolman Tim on. That's going to well, be a lot of fun. So 
he's great. He's he's a great talk. Yeah, but that's something that I recognized for a long time too. I mean, the you see it on the news media where you got the talking heads cycle all the way through, and now we're collaborating, and it's going to be great to lean on each other's audience and and answer questions and be on each other's podcast. I think it's great. I think it's really good. Like you being on this one, it's it's been. A, a long time coming and you need to be on here and it's uh finally old tommy cakes got his butt moving so you know yeah, well, it won't be the only time i'm sure i'll, I'll be well, checking in from the road yeah my perspective i mean frankly i mean i work i've worked for the government i've worked with big railroads big corporations so i've seen a little i've been in the boardroom i've seen life from a different perspective so um, I've been on some big infrastructure projects, and so I see how they operate, how they deal with the press and the public. So that should be kind of an interesting debate or discussion. Um, well, that's right. You're the you're the Fed. <clears throat> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Careful! I'll whip out my badge, young man. <laughs> <laughs> We're like the yin and the yang here. I know, right? Um, <laughs> Oh gosh, and I've worked for the state essentially. Oh yeah, 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 but, uh, yeah. Transit stuff. So I, I, see, I see what you're doing. This is some sort of trap or something, isn't it? It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I keep my eye on you, and I can make <laughs> my uh, to my bosses off in DC. You know, that's what I do. So <laughs> cut the mics. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> It's going to be a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, it should. I don't know about that Canadian guy, but well, you know, we'll 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 do all right with him. So. Hey, I'm I'm like a quarter Canadian. My dad's got dual citizenship, so I I got to stick up for the Canadians. What? Really? Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'll be watching you. Yeah. <laughs> Blame Canada. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. That's awesome. No, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. So. Send me that link when we're done, and then we'll get some things going here. So I'm not breaking up on you. Yeah, what link do you want? Oh, the oh yeah, the mobile must have. Yes, the mobile must have because uh, yeah, those guys are good. They'll uh, they'll take care of you. They uh, they offer all sorts of different service packages um, for as far as installation, and uh, you know they'll help you pick out the right what what you need for for what you're looking to do. Okay, yeah. so for folks. Um, so for folks that are looking to move, go rural and live in rural places, I got to warn you, the one thing you're going to have to deal with is kind of crappy internet. The second thing you're going to have to deal with are mice. Yeah. So one and two, two and one. You yeah, let the, don't, don't, don't shoo away those barn cats for sure. Nope. We're, that's next on the list. And then we're going to get chickens. They're barn cats. So yeah. And yeah. a dog. Dog, yeah, I mean, they are, they're, they can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> what? Corey, Corey's giving you the stink eye, I know, because you get, looked over to your side there. She oh, yeah, looking. oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. She, she was going to help me with the dog discussion. <laughs> Is it the relationship? I'm the guy that's like, oh, dog, I don't know. Oh, we just had two little ankle biters here, and they were trouble. Oh, that's trouble. No, not even uh, worth it. Oh, ooh! I better not say that. That's Julie's cousin. But um, they we were basically potty training them, and it was tough. So they oh, were, yeah, they were condo dogs. So that's they you know, dogs need space to run and be dogs. So ours, ours come pretty much potty trained when they're twenty five pounds. They can hold it. 
<laughs> oh man, I don't know if our pooper scooper could handle them though. So oh, you, need a, you need a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> we do have those. You will uh, have more. <laughs> we will have more. Yes, yes. <laughs> you will. You will eventually find your favorite shovel. <laughs> We will uh, use it for everything and probably end up breaking it and having to try to find another of your favorite shovels. Okay. These are things I'm going to be learning. <laughs> yeah. We've got a lot of projects here on the farm, so it's going to be a lot of fun, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know where to find me. So if you ever have any questions or need suggestions, I'm more than happy to help. Yeah. Cool, dude. Well, I'm really excited for Fireside Freedom. Go check that out, everybody. Um, YouTube, Fireside Freedom Podcast. I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, we'll have a podcast and a YouTube and Odyssey. There's already a very thriving uh, Fireside Freedom chat, and uh, it's really a good group. I mean, really active group. Um, and uh, we'll just see where it goes. It's it's really exciting to be part of the team. So, Yeah, I kind of I threw it out there and... You know, you guys all keep telling me I own this thing, and I think it's all of ours. It's it's kind of an amoeba. It's gonna do itself. Yep. No, I, I agree. And and uh, you were the brainchild and the and the guy that got her going. But uh, we're all taking ownership, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, really I'm excited for it. It'll be it'll be a good time. Right. Well, I'm sure we'll be exploring some interesting topics. I hope so. I mean, I'm I'm an open book, man. I I've done everything from ten years of hospitality bartending to uh, I ran uh, the first uh, commercial sized waste plastic to synthetic crude oil plant in the in the world. Um, well, I you know I work on gas pumps. I mean, I've done everything. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And me, I did consulting engineering and engineering on big infrastructure projects, and now work with the feds <clears throat> on so you're, projects. you're a civil engineer yep i'm a civil engineer it means i'm a very nice engineer yeah you guys aren't that bad uh, those mechanical guys they're jerks <laughs> assholes <laughs> <laughs> no yeah we we design the roads and railroads and we can do build uh, you don't want me to design a building or a water treatment plant or um so do soils engineering or bridges those are not my bag baby but transportation i can do so yeah, I worked with lots of process engineers, mechanical engineers, design engineers, all that, and and yeah, I'm, I butt head with them because they they said it work on paper, and I I walk them right out and show them, and well, your paper isn't looking like it is on the ground there. So yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even civil engineers, the road should go together like this, but <laughs> I'll take a deck to kind of walk through the plans and look at things and say, ah, oh, you're full of it. So yeah, I, I learned that a long time ago that there's a lot of people with a lot of good ideas out there and, and experience is a key, you know, and you can have all the book knowledge you want, but nothing beats the school hard knocks. You know, it's fun teaching engineers stuff. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> You always got, you got to love that day when the field engineer comes out to work with you on the gas pumps and you get to teach them a few things about their own product. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're very kind. Oh yeah. 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 We don't harass them at all about it. No, no, no. This flux capacitor should be this way, not that way. And it's upside down and backwards for how, what breaks every time. Yep. And they just made more than I did in two weeks in that last five minutes. So, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Unbelievable, my friend. 
Well, cool. So um, we're looking forward to Fireside Freedom. Um, where can we find you, my friend? And as we're kind of wrapping her up, any other words, feel free to throw them in there. Uh, um, uh, right at the moment, uh, happyhillshomestead.com. Um, it's kind of a portal to everything. Uh, the dogs we mentioned, my wife runs a social media account for them. If you like videos of fluffy St. Bernard's rolling around in the snow or me rambling on about random stuff or installing parts on our camper, you can go to YouTube and I believe you need to search the lots project now uh, to bring it up, but I'll get all those links and get them to Tom. Uh, but happyhillshomestead.com, there's a section for the lots project. There's a section for baby Walter and company. Um, she's got Facebook and Instagram for them. I'm mostly on float uh, at, the lots project and on MeWe, I have a page you can search the lots project. Uh, stop by, give it a like, give me a follow on float. Uh, tell me you heard me on the uh, small scale life. Uh, other than that, yeah, I can shoot you all the links and all that info, and you can you can list her out for me. Sounds good. Also, Telegram is a great spot. Can't oh, yeah. can't uh, pimp that enough. Um, we got Fireside Freedom. There's a lots project there. Yep. Uh, small yep, scale. I think I, I think I just have the channel at the moment uh, mm -hmm. just to make announcements. But uh, yeah, I'll be starting up some sort of chat. Um, as I get podcasts going, I'm sure I'll spread it through, uh, through all these channels and let people know and uh, get out and do a bunch of interviews on a bunch of... You'll have to have me on again and deal with that. Of course. No, it's good. And Next time, uh, I'll actually have video because then in the bandwidth will be there and, you know, I won't be breaking up so much. So, because I'm yeah. working with your guys. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Brian, for being on the show. I really appreciate it, brother. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Say hi to Corey. Uh, give the dogs a big kiss for me. Oh, and, will do. And uh, we'll see you real soon, bro. All right, man. Yeah. Bye. Bye. So, in closing, from the north to the south, from the east to the west and everywhere in between. May the gods, spirits, and folk be blessed at this place. May we heal the land and protect the soil, animals, and plants. May we live in strength and love, leading the way as we learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you real soon, and take care, everybody. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. From the land of sky blue waters. Waters. Small Scale Life is podcasting. Small Scale Life is podcasting. <laughs> Small Scale Life. Oh Intro right there. Oh, God, please, no. Oh, yeah, baby. It's going to happen. <laughs>